0: In episode 84, the world watches agog but unsurprised as Donald Trump shows no grace in defeat. The COVID-19 pandemic is raging in many parts of the world. Why are so many people not willing to wear masks? And there's a wide variety of tech discussion, including those shiny new iPhones. You're very welcome to contribute to the podcast, and there are two ways to do it. You can drop me an email to jonathan, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, at mushroomfm.com. You can write something in that email, or you can attach an audio recording using anything that records and you can attach to an email. You can also call the listener line. That number is in the United States. It's 864-60-MOSIN, 864-606-6736, and record a message that could be included in the podcast. Concise contributions always help. We can't include everything because of the volume of contributions we receive. And please note that if we do use your content, we reserve the right to edit it for clarity and brevity. You can follow Mosin at Large, all one word, on Twitter to join the conversation with other listeners to get sneak peeks about what's coming up on the podcast. And I regularly tweet links that I think will be of interest to Mosin at Large listeners. To keep up to date with Mosin at Large and radio-related activities I'm doing, you can subscribe to our media email list. It's announcements only, and the traffic is very light. To do that, send a blank email to media-subscribe at mosin.org. That's media-subscribe at mosin.org. The podcast version of this show contains extracts from the full version, which is heard live on Mushroom FM at mushroomfm.com and anywhere that you listen to radio stations at 2 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time on a Saturday afternoon. For the full Mosin at Large experience, I encourage you to be part of that community. And finally, before we get into the episode this week, a reminder that this podcast is long, and to help you navigate past the bits that you aren't interested in to the bits that you are, it's segmented by chapters. If you have a podcast app capable of supporting chapters, and many on iOS and Android do this, you can skip between segments of the show. Let's talk some more about American politics, the gift that just keeps on giving, the story that just keeps on getting weirder. Gino J is in touch and he says, Hi, Jonathan. First off, let me say that I understand your reason for believing that individual Americans should elect our president, but most people with this stance don't provide a reason. Can you provide one for us and your listeners? Yeah, sure. It's a real simple reason. Fundamentally, it is democratic. I think you have to go back to first principles with discussions like this. So you ask yourself, what is the most important thing? And I'd suggest that in a democratic process it is that everybody has the right to vote and that everybody's vote is counted equally. I would say, in fact, that the Electoral College runs counter to the fundamental principles of the Constitution, that all men, and of course now women, are created equal. Surely that means that all men and women should have an equal say over who becomes president of the United States. And at the moment, they do not. The votes of people in Pennsylvania or Michigan or Wisconsin or Nevada or Georgia had a lot more influence over the outcome than the votes of people, say, in California or New York or South Carolina, anywhere where there was a very significant majority in favor of one party. And as I said last week, The presidency is a national position. It has a national impact. You've got a situation in 2016 where 3 million more Americans voted for Hillary Clinton than Donald Trump, yet Donald Trump became the president. In this election, you've got 5 million more Americans voting for Joe Biden than voted for Donald Trump. I mean, there are many countries in the world with a smaller population than 5 million people. That is a massive number of people. And had it gone the other way because of a few thousand votes in two or three states, that would have been fundamentally undemocratic. You could easily have had a situation where five and a half million more people want Joe Biden to be president than want Donald Trump to be president. But they would have ended up with Donald Trump because of the distortions of the Electoral College. You have that sort of thing happening too often, and it just completely undermines faith in democracy, although it's fair to say the Republican Party have been doing a pretty good job of trying to do that the last week already. But it isn't complicated. Everybody's vote should count equally. And instead of having politicians concentrating on the needs of just a few states, they would be barnstorm campaigning around the entire country because suddenly everybody's votes would be equal. What a wonderful world it would be. Now you have people who say, ah, but then smaller states are disadvantaged and they've got the Senate for that, for equal representation of the states. But the presidency shouldn't be that way. In my view, anyway, the presidency should be a nationally elected position. And do you know what? It could be very close to happening. There is a group of people lobbying for using the Electoral College to basically abolish the Electoral College. This is a genius system. I hadn't heard about this until earlier this week. The way that the National Popular Vote Compact or Proposal works is that the states who sign up to this agree that when enough states have signed up that they have 270 Electoral College votes, they will all agree to support the popular vote winner In the electoral college, nice to know there are people sticking up for democracy and trying to advance it in the United States. Would you like to hear about who's on board with this? I'm glad you asked. It has actually been enacted in 16 jurisdictions, totaling 196 electoral votes. So it's getting close to 270. A wee way to go yet, but it's getting close. Now there are four small states that have signed up so far: Delaware, Hawaii, Rhode Island. And Vermont. There are eight medium sized states that have signed up. They are Colorado, Connecticut, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New Mexico, Oregon, and Washington. There are three big states on board California, Illinois, and New York, and it's also been enacted in the District of Columbia. So hopefully, more will sign up and actual one person. One vote representative democracy for the presidency will come to the United States of America. It'll probably be challenged in the Supreme Court when it kicks in, but it'll be interesting to hear the counter argument because they are using the Electoral College. They're just using it for a specific purpose. Holger Fialo is in touch and he says, with respect to you, the process works well in the U.S., If we let the popular vote select our leader, small states will not be represented. Yes, we had four bad years, but as you saw, the process works. Biden became our next president. Now he needs to work on fixing the problems that were created by Trump and work on bringing people together and deal with Russia and China. They will not be allowed to intervene in our elections. The thing is, though, Holger, If you accept that the last four years were bad ones, if you had the popular vote determining the winner in 2016, you would never have had those four bad years. The plain fact is that more people live in cities. So, of course, more people living in cities are going to have an impact on who the president is. That's democracy. That's where they live. Why should they be penalized for the fact that they live with a large group of people? If you want certain sectoral interests represented, You've got the Senate and the House for that. Francisco is in Argentina, and he says, I totally support the electoral college, but I think it should include a representation of the minority party. In Argentina, we had an electoral college until 1994 with minority representation. We switched to a nominal vote electoral system, and now the province of Buenos Aires, which has the biggest population appoints the president, and the rest of the country has little to no power or choice. Since that change, politicians only focus on Buenos Aires and leave other districts behind. My concern is that changes to the U.S. electoral system could make the winner of big cities president, which would kill the GOP. Michael Moran is chiming in as a Trump supporter talking about some of the things people liked about Trump. He says, he made the United States energy independent. He kept us out of foreign wars. He lowered the unemployment rate for African-American, Hispanic-American, and Asian-Americans. The enemies of the United States respect the United States constantly and do not push it as they did under Obama and Clinton. Trump has crushed Al-Qaeda and killed the leaders. While President Donald Trump, contrary to popular belief, has never shown any discrimination against African Americans, Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans, women and other minorities, Donald Trump tells the truth about Black Lives Matter, which is a left-wing organization, about Antifa, which is a left-wing communist organization, Both of those groups were funded by George Soros, and their aim was to cause unrest and disruption in this country. Donald Trump is for law and order. The left-wing radicals who are calling for defunding the police are calling for nothing but anarchy. The truth is, Barack Obama and Joe Biden didn't do much for race relations in the United States. Donald Trump is for free speech and for the Second Amendment, which entitles people to maintain and keep arms. The left wing does not recognize the rioters for what they truly are. They are anarchists. Joe Biden and company don't want to say that because they want every vote they can get, and they will say whatever it takes to get every vote they can get. It's all about power, and the left wing power is corrupted absolutely. Thanks, Michael. I won't respond to all of that, except to say that I think every party's after every vote that they can get. And the Second Amendment is something that most of us, I think, outside of the US just shrug our shoulders at. And we just don't understand the obsession that Americans have with guns um, at all. But it's America's country, of course, and and, uh, we don't have to understand it. To Austin, Texas, where Kathy Blackburn says, I won't be drinking a celebratory libation until January the 21st. I believe you are an outlier in believing that the current cabinet would invoke the 25th amendment to remove 45 from office. Keith Oberman, haven't heard from him for a while, posted a YouTube video this morning calling for the cabinet to do that very thing. Ah, Great minds. But I'm pretty sure he doesn't think that will happen. He just thinks that should happen. Yes, ditto, Kathy. I never thought it would happen either. I just think it should happen too. She continues, the cabinet has spent the last four years sucking up to this president. Remember that Mike Pence heads the useless White House Coronavirus Task Force. When Mike Pence was governor of Indiana, he saw to it that a law was passed that would send a woman who miscarried to prison. If memory serves me correctly, that law was eventually repealed. I do not see fundamental decency in Mike Pence. I see opportunism. Thanks, Cathy. Yes, that bill, which was never enforced because it was overturned, but Mike Pence did sign it, would have required funerary services for any fetus that did not make it to term, whether that be through abortion or miscarriage. In the Netherlands, Tim is here. He says, I'm glad Trump has been, most likely, voted out. But I know some people from the Middle East would have preferred Trump because they consider him an isolationist who has ended American involvement in Syria and would be unlikely to send military forces to other countries. The argument they would use is that in Syria, there are no good guys worth supporting. It is just a fight of bad guys versus worse guys, and it does not matter who wins it will always be bad. So if America is not involved in the war, it is one party less which uses Syria as a battleground, and a form of peace will come sooner. Again, this is not my view, just sharing it to answer your question. Dan Terbalt says, Hi Jonathan, I am listening to your latest podcast, and your observations are interesting. I wish more Americans would be willing to listen to perspectives from people in other countries. The fact that Christopher Wright, wrote such an angry email to you, shows that the Democrats will have a lot of work to do. Social media does play a role, and Facebook, Twitter, and Google are guilty of allowing misinformation on their sites. I think Biden's victory was as much psychological as political. Typically, Americans are euphoric about a new president until that president starts working with Congress and finds out he can't get everything he promised. Just because decency carried the day, conservatives won't give up their angry attacks. It will be interesting to see how Congress works and how the midterm elections go. I disagree with your observation about Mike Pence. He may appear to be a nice person, but his hidden agenda is promoting a theocracy which aligns with his conservative Christian views. During the Trump presidency, I felt that Pence was just waiting in the wings for Trump to fail. This is why Pence slavishly did whatever Trump asked of him. As bad as the Trump presidency has been, a Pence presidency would be far worse. It remains to be seen if Pence has a political future. Conservatives got what they wanted with the latest Supreme Court nominee, so they are a step closer to getting all of their religious agenda items fulfilled. Renee is also writing in and says, hello, Jonathan, I really love listening to your podcasts. They're always full of great information on all types of topics. Thank you so much. I am definitely a Trump supporter. Ever since he was elected, the Democrats have tried everything in their power to get him out of office. Before this whole virus thing came on the scene, our country was in the best shape ever. President Trump has brought a bunch of jobs back to America. Our unemployment rate was extremely low, the stock market was extremely high, our 401k was increasing significantly, and we are energy independent for the first time ever. I am very afraid that all of this is going to be reversed under President-elect Biden. It is very disheartening that all the news media outlets are so one-sided, mostly pro-Democrat. It all reminds me of the book 1984 by George Orwell. They are brainwashing the sheeple and changing history to align with their agenda at the time. Mr. Biden does not seem to have the mental capacity to run this country, although he is their puppet for sure. He has not done anything of significance in his 47-year political career. Universal health care would be amazing, but at what cost and who would be paying for it? It was quite refreshing to have a non-politician in office for four years. The whole system needs to be revamped and replace the whole lot of them. There should be term and age limits on people running for public office. I am saddened by the immense divide in our country right now. I hope everything will stay peaceful and that my day-to-day life will not be altered too radically. I really do love my iPhone and audio description. They enhance my life immensely thank you again for all you do for the blindness community and beyond respectfully from a totally blind 50 plus married woman living in the north central united states thank you so much i guess there are several ways that compulsory health care works around the world the way it works in new zealand is that you simply pay for it through your taxes we do that on the basis that we believe healthcare is a human right. If you get sick, your ability to access healthcare shouldn't be dependent on your ability to pay. Now, to be absolutely transparent about it, our healthcare system isn't perfect. We do have private healthcare. And if you have certain routine operations and sometimes some not so routine operations, people can jump the queue if they have enough wealth to do so. Arguably the most successful government-run healthcare system, certainly the one I hear about a lot, is the National Health Service over in the United Kingdom. So it would be really interesting to hear from consumers of the National Health Service in the UK, is it as good as we're led to believe it is? And of course, it's fully taxpayer-funded, so those with the means can look after those who don't have the means. And then when you do have the means, you pay in through your taxes to the system so that perhaps at some future time, When you're really unwell and you don't have the means, you've made your contribution when you can, and it's there for you. And on a slightly lighter note to end this section, my name is Dora. Not mine, the person sending this email. Sorry, I'm reading, you see. So my name isn't Dora, but hers is. (laughs) Uh, My name is Dora. I listen all the way from British Columbia, Canada. Welcome, Dora. Gotta love us Canadians, eh? She says. Question. Where did you find that Cars for Kids jingle? Did you record that directly from Sirius XM itself? Or did you find it on YouTube? Do you happen to have a link? The one you played for us sounded as clear as day. I've never heard this jingle before until you brought it up in your latest episode. I like it. Yes, go to YouTube, Dora, and just type in cars for kids, K-A-R-S, cars for kids, and you would actually find quite a few variations of the Cars for Kids jingle, because they have different kids singing it over the years. They also have different versions. They have like a country version, different things like that. So type in Cars for Kids into the tube and listen to your heart's content, mate. In other news, says Dora, Biden won, Trump can stop throwing hissy fits, and the world can rejoice. Hmm, we will get there. She says, I recently shared a meme in a comment on Facebook that said something along the lines of, Trump won't leave the White House easily. Any parent who's had to take a toddler from Chuck E. Cheese knows this. Let the jokes begin. Why can't Trump go to the White House? Because it is for Biden. (laughs) Anyway, says Dora, I love the content you put out here. Very informative. You're awesome. And I can't wait for more. If only Apple Podcasts would let me leave you a 10-star rating. Well, that's very kind. Thank you, Dora. Nice to hear from you. Look after yourself. And remember, keep drinking the maple syrup. Related to all of this discussion, this email from Tiffany Jessen says, rather than mash Trump or his party as a whole, my inquiry is why people are so ridiculous about masks and other rules. Do they believe COVID is not the problem it is? Clearly, it is a crisis across the world, and not just local to their direct, flat-earth believer community. I don't think anyone can deny this. Do they discard the severity? It's causing huge physical, emotional, economic, and other problems across the world. Nobody can deny this as well. Trump downplayed the severity from the beginning, and after his carelessness did eventually get him sick as predicted he continued disbelieving and carrying on with his bad behaviours. Of course, does anyone point out that he had the best care money could buy him? Even the ones who do have health insurance at this rate of diagnosis, the country is not equipped to care for everyone medically. Last spring, we heard stories of doctors dividing the use of ventilators up among three and four people at once, instead of having them one-on-one as intended. Hospitals converted conference and waiting rooms into additional bedrooms, which says nothing for the building of field hospitals. Now that the field hospitals have been taken down, there are hospitals beyond capacity and shipping patients hundreds of miles away. These are not just little local places either, but the biggest hospitals in the entire state are doing this. What really is the problem with wearing masks and following other rules? I do sympathize with restaurants and other businesses not wanting to go out of business and even the consumers for wanting to support them. But we have people testing positive and knowingly going out and not only causing chaos and protesting, but refusing to wear a mask in the process. So they are essentially saying, I don't care how selfish I appear. It's not only my right to continue my actions against advice, but knowingly get others sick as well. This is irresponsible at best, if not criminal. I myself don't particularly enjoy wearing a mask, even when skiing in negative temperatures. I don't generally wear one, but I'm willing to be cautious. Yes, there are mixed feelings about them. Some say they don't help. Others say they help minimally. Some say they only help from transmission in one direction, and now... They are beginning to say they help in both directions, even if only minimally. Regardless, is it really all that difficult? Yes, they do hinder some activities, like reading lips among the deaf, or even breathing through the thicker cloth filters. But that doesn't mean you can't wear anything at all. I have several masks this way. I can change each day and put them in the laundry. But the best thing I was given is called a spacer. It's a semi-flexible plastic that looks kind of like the mouth guard worn around football or hockey helmets. So it goes around your chin and nose, but doesn't actually touch or restrict them. You wear it under the masks, and it holds the cloths out away from your lips a slight bit, so that you can breathe easier. Even though I am outdoors for our exercise hikes, not knowing when people are coming the opposite direction, I always wear a mask and this makes breathing a bit better. I think my friend said she paid about 10 bucks for a pack of 10 on Amazon. Even though I am not talking and spitting during our walks, breathing causes the condensation to build inside the mask, so I do wash it each time I wear it. As to other rules, the vast majority of our agency is working from home, but there has been an established list of guidelines for those who do need to go into the office. They must wear masks, and since they are limited to an amount of time in the office, including our receptionist, they must sign in. We have already had positive diagnoses in two of our six work locations, and some people are still refusing to do any of the above. I just don't understand it. Am I just too slow to understand something? The officers even have equipment to provide to the staff who don't have it. And it's signed, in confusion, Tiffany. And I think I would add in frustration as well. I just want to send lots of good wishes and all the best and good vibes to those who are in the thick of COVID-19. Of course, in parts of Europe and the United Kingdom, they are locked down again. And in the United States, you know, we talked just a week ago on this show about how cases were bubbling above 100,000 new ones every day. Now, here we are just a week on, and it's 150,000 new cases every day in the United States. This thing is contagious, very, very catchy. The pandemic is raging in the United States, and it breaks my heart. I know that initially, when we discussed this on the show, there seems to be some conflicting science about the efficacy of masks, and that does seem to be settled now. No respected scientist that I'm aware of is disputing the fact that masks work. So even though in New Zealand we have very little COVID-19 in the community, we can go for weeks without any in the community, and then we might have one or two cases, and as soon as one case gets out into the community, they bring the hammer down. We're encouraged to wear masks in certain situations. I'm afraid I just don't understand the American psyche well enough to comment on why some people think that it's kind of cool or a political statement or whatever to disregard all of that science and put people at risk. But the United States is hardly getting leadership from the top at this point, is it? You've had Donald Trump hosting super spreader events. There's now another outbreak in the White House. Mark Meadows, Trump's chief of staff, has it. Corin Uwandowski has it. And of course, what's really tragic about this is that well over a hundred secret service people who are sworn to protect the president's life have it. Isn't that just incredibly selfish? You have a president who has ridiculed people for wearing masks and you have well over 100 Secret Service people who would take a bullet for the president being needlessly put in harm's way by this immorality. That's, it, it is it is immoral. And now the thing is just totally out of control. I just, I don't understand it either. It, it is incredible to me. And it's very clear to me that the only way it's going to start to get under control in the United States is another lockdown. They're going to have to go hard for four to six weeks and lock it down really tight to the point that the only things that are open are for essential supplies like supermarkets and gas stations. You cancel all the delivery services like Uber Eats and all the DoorDash, that sort of thing, because that's the only way to really get on top of this awful thing. I mean, we see how virulent it is and it works. And the reason why I know and why I'm so emphatic about the fact that it works is because I'm living in a country where we've proven that it works. We are largely back to normal in this country. I mean, our borders are closed and they'll remain closed until a vaccine of some kind rolls out. But as for the people living and existing here, everything's open and restaurants are just doing normal things and we're just getting on with life. And we did that because it's kind of like an investment. You have to go hard, you lock down, you deal with that pain and you ameliorate that pain by making sure that people are properly compensated for the consequences of the lockdown. People talk about damaging the economy. What is an economy? An economy is a construct put together by people. And the most important thing in the world is people. Making sure people are safe, making sure people don't get sick, making sure that healthcare systems don't get so overwhelmed by this pandemic that other things are neglected, making sure that the hospitals aren't running over and the, the morgues aren't running over. You can rebuild an economy. You can buttress the economy with stimulus or payments or whatever construct you think works best in a given situation. But when people are gone, they're gone.
1: Mosin at
0: Gary's in touch from South Africa. He's interested in creating an Apple ID outside his country, specifically in the United States in his case. And indeed, there are quite a few apps that are free in various app stores that you can only get in specific stores. For example, for whatever reason, Microsoft's Soundscape app isn't available in the app store here in New Zealand. And for quite some time, seeing AI's availability was fairly limited. So there may be free apps that you just want to access. There are various ways of going about this, and I'd suggest following one of the guides that you can find if you Google on this question. I also produced a book, but it's still available for sale in the Mosin Consulting store called Imagine There's No Countries, and it covers creating Apple IDs in other countries and many other things. But going from memory, I believe that the easiest way to do this is to sign out of your App Store account on one of your Apple devices and then go into the App Store and switch countries to the region that you're interested in and then look for a free app and attempt to buy it. At that point, you'll be asked to log in and there'll be an option there to create a new account. So switching stores first. Once you've signed out of the one that you have is the key point. I believe you should also be able to create one through Apple's website. If you prefer to do it on a PC, appleid.apple.com. Apple Apple ID is all one word, appleid.apple.com. I have accounts that work with free apps in the US, UK and Australia app stores. And once I have set them up, I have found that when I've bought apps, the updates come through from all of them, irrespective of what store I'm signed into. So typically, I stay signed into my New Zealand store, but I still get app updates from those other stores whenever I go and check for updates. So that's a way around some pretty arbitrary and annoying restrictions. It does take a little bit of work. And I do wish that companies who have, say, the clout... The reach and the capacity that Microsoft does wouldn't do this. I haven't had an explanation that makes sense to me as to why Soundscape is not in the New Zealand store. But while these limitations exist, it's nice to know there's a way around it for free apps. When you start getting into paid apps, it does become a bit more complicated because you may or may not be able to use your local credit card. There are credit card products that exist in various countries that will allow you to set up multiple accounts with different currencies and then you may need a billing address. If that's necessary I use a service called uShop which is run by our major carrier in New Zealand called New Zealand Post and they offer billing addresses and shipping addresses in fact in a number of countries including the United States, the UK I think they have one in China and maybe other countries as well. And they do this because a lot of people here love to buy things online. I know that in larger countries, people are a bit daunted by buying things overseas and in a different currency. Most New Zealanders don't mind. We're used to doing that. But there are some places that don't ship here. So New Zealand Post provides you with an address in all these countries and when you check out you can provide that address and the merchant will ship the goods there and then New Zealand Post will forward it on for a fee of course, for a fee, that's how they make their money. And they also handle tax because there's been some tightening up now of uh, the tax that we have to pay on imported goods to make it fair for our merchants here in New Zealand. So it's a complex area But when you do manage to get it sorted for the use cases that you are after, it really literally opens up the world to you. The world's your oyster. That's what it is. The world's your oyster. John says, I heard your small report on the Freedom podcast about speech cutting out. It worked very well when my Bose SoundTouch speaker was connected by a cord to the computer, but I tried Bluetooth and it went back to cutting off the beginning of the sounds, I checked the settings for JAWS, and it is correct. Any suggestions? I like the bows, but will someday, if the money comes in, go to Sonos. Again, thanks for all your knowledge. I enjoy the podcast. Thank you, John. It's a frustrating business, this, isn't it? If you've got JAWS set up correctly, and it still isn't working, and you've quit JAWS after pairing the speaker and started JAWS again, and you just can't get it to work... One way around it might be to use Silenzio. Silenzio is a tool that runs in the background and essentially sends silence to the sound card, to the audio device to keep it alive. So you would pair your Bose speaker and then run Silenzio and just see if that works. Now I don't have a quick and easy link for Silenzio, unfortunately. I will put a link to it in the show notes of this podcast. So you should be able to click on the link in the show notes. You can also find it on a blog post that I wrote about this issue. I was inspired to write it. After a terrible experience with a Microsoft Surface laptop, which I returned quite quickly. And one of the reasons why I did was because of this issue. And somebody recommended Silenzio to me at that point. So if you want to get the link from that blog post, it's a pretty easy URL to remember. You can read all about it and get the Silenzio link by going to mosen.org. That's M O S E N dot org slash sounds frustrating and sounds frustrating is all one word, give Silenzio a try. If it works for you, or if it doesn't, I'd be interested in hearing your findings. Good luck.
2: Jonathan Mosen, Mosen at Large Podcast.
0: Michael Hubbard is in touch from Albany in New York, and he's talking about something that's come up on the show before, but maybe people weren't listening then, and it's good to get another perspective on this. He says, it's been a while since I've emailed into the podcast. I'd like to contribute a product review to the podcast. The product is a cell phone specifically for blind and visually impaired people. The phone is called the Blind Shell Mobile Classic. This is not an iPhone, although there is a touchscreen version. The phone I have is one of those old candy bar style phones with a ton of buttons. The phone was manufactured in the Czech Republic and was released here in the States in 2019. You cannot add your own apps to the phone. However, it has apps built into the device. One of the most important things that I truly like about this phone is the fact that everything on the phone talks. There are three voice recognition features on here that I really like, voice dialing, voice messaging, and voice dictation. I really like the fact that you can send text messages using your voice without having to type. I only have one gripe about this phone, and that is, when you use any of the voice recognition features, Wi-Fi sometimes automatically turns off, and you have to turn it back on in order to use the voice features. In total, the Blindshell Mobile Classic has 97 ringtones to choose from. You can set up caller ID on the phone to let you know who is calling. In my opinion, this is a great phone for blind people. All of my other phones were flip phones. I never thought I would ever graduate from a flip phone, but this is such a simple phone to use. For those who are in the United States interested in this phone, there are only three out of the four mobile carriers that will support this device, AT&T, T-Mobile, and Metro PCS. Verizon will not for some odd reason. I am with AT&T, and my stepfather also has this phone. He is with T-Mobile. The phone comes in two colors, black and red. Both colored phones have black buttons. If any of your listeners would like to learn more about the Blind Shell Classic, they can go to blindshell.com. That's blindshell.com. Thanks, Michael, and I'm glad you found a phone you like. Paul Parabano is back, and he says, I'm finding myself listening to more internet radio these days. I'm wondering if you or any of your loyal subjects (laughs) have recommendations for a high-quality tabletop model or portable radio where a blind person can tune in internet radio stations. Sanjian makes one, as does Tivoli Audio. I've not heard of that manufacturer. And there are others. I'll let you guess what station will occupy preset one if I can track one down. I guess my first question is I wonder what purpose these serve beyond, say, your smart speaker like the Echo, and you can get them in various form factors and sizes, and it's all very convenient. I did see a Bose speaker a few years ago that had preset buttons that you could assign radio stations to. But I do know also of some blindness internet radio devices that certainly used to be around. We have one listener, we have Grace, who uses a Sonata and gets in touch quite regularly. And that's a blindness specific internet radio. And I believe that is based in the UK. But I don't know if that is still a thing. So, let's open it up to the multitude, a blindness-specific internet radio device. Oh my goodness, you cannot be serious. Yes, we're talking about Sirius XM as we go to Jesper in Denmark who says, Hello, Jonathan. I hope you and the family are in good health and well-rested after your small vacation at the resort. I guess spring is soon on its way in New Zealand, whereas here, fall is briskly approaching. Yes, glorious. Yes, but I tell you, glorious. I have noticed, he says, that you a few times have mentioned that you listen to Sirius XM radio. How do you do that? I have over the years tried to sign up, but always fall short because my credit card is Danish and the geofencing. So does Sirius XM accept your New Zealand credit card and do you use a VPN setup through your router so it works on Sonus, or how do you actually do it or maybe Bonnie still has a US credit card I guess then you would be able to make it work that way around I have been fairly busy of late so I have not had the time to contribute to the show though I do make it a habit to listen to the show on Sunday mornings here in Denmark my wife and our two-month-old baby are sleeping. And the oldest one, at the tender age of five years, is busy playing. Wow, congratulations on the new baby, Esper. That is just so, so cool. I really wish you well. You didn't tell me if it was a boy or a girl, though. Babies are wonderful. Yes, they are. Anyway, regarding Sirius XM, when I signed up, and it was a long time ago, I believe I did it over the phone. And when I called the 800 number, they did happily take my New Zealand credit card and Sirius XM still gets billed to my New Zealand credit card and it is not Geoblox at all. So the only thing that we have to do to get Sonos to play Sirius XM is to switch our region to the United States. And we have our Amazon Echo devices set to the US account and the Sirius XM Amazon Echo Skill just works. No blocking circumvention required at all. Now, I was talking with someone a couple of weeks ago who was trying to set things up. And apparently there is a bit of blocking now on the SiriusXM website, which I have not visited for some time. And I suspect that that's because SiriusXM now owns Pandora. And because of the agreements that they have regarding streaming they will probably have to enforce geoblocking more firmly than they once did. I'm not interested in the Pandora side of it but I am interested in SiriusXM and that just continues to work for me. So I don't know whether the process would now be more difficult than it was for me but it's pretty easy. I just keep paying the bill every month and it continues to work without any geoblocking problems at all. One thing I would also say is that the official SiriusXM app is only available in the US store. Now, there is, I think, a version of SiriusXM in the Canadian market that's a bit different, so they have their app in the Canadian app store. But there is an app called Star Player X, and Star Player X is all one word. It's a free app, and it's available in the New Zealand app store as well as the US one, so I presume it's available quite widely. And that is a very accessible interface to Sirius XM. I actually prefer Star Player X for just listening to Sirius XM streams over the official Sirius XM app. So see if you can grab the Star Player X iOS app, and assuming you can get Sirius XM credentials, log in with those, you will have a great user experience with it we use Sirius XM for a lot of US news obviously at the moment I am glued glued especially now that our election is over uh, to CNN and MSNBC and C-SPAN and NPR those sorts of things they're all on SiriusXM. XM and of course there is the wonderful Beatles channel Channel 18 on SiriusXM.
3: Hello, Mosen at Large listeners. This is Stan Luttrell in Medford, Oregon, and I have to talk about something you mentioned either last week or the week before. You wondered whether the smart oven that Amazon has, the A Lady enabled smart oven, was available in the United States, and I have to say, yes, it is. And I have acquired one. The only thing I will say, though, I asked the A-Lady to include the Braille overlay, and she didn't include the Braille overlay, but it's not a big deal for me. I could have used one, but it's okay. Before this, I had a Hamilton Beach talking microwave, but this does a heck of a lot more. And the more important thing is that I was able to repurpose my old Hamilton Beach talking microwave to someone that really needed one. As you may or may not know, we had a lot of fires that were directly in my path. And I know many people that were faced with some dim prospects because they lost everything they owned. And as you may or may not recall, I now work for a place that helps out people called Rogue Retreat. And they work with uh, uh, a lot of people that were originally homeless and helping them rebuild their lives. But uh, the friend, uh, well, the daughter of a supervisor that uh, works for me, I mean, that works with me, I should say. Uh, His daughter lost everything. And when he came over to help me install the new oven, I told him my original intent was to donate the old oven to Rogue Retreat. And he told me about his daughter, which I wasn't sure. I knew that she lost everything, but I didn't know that one of the things she lost was a microwave oven. So I said, well, Matt, why don't you give her the old oven? And she can use it, and if she wants to use it, she can. If she doesn't want to use it, well, that's okay, too. It's just I will know that I repurposed the oven and that makes me feel good and it also allows me to do something for a worthy cause.
4: Hello, this is Howard Goldstein in Connecticut. Listening to your show last week, I heard someone talking about a keychain from GW Micro that he had and that got me remembering a couple of the interesting little promotional giveaways that i have from uh, various tech companies from the past and uh, well some still continuing i guess <laughs> um the first one is the jaws shark from freedom scientific it's a kind of a rubbery plastic shark <laughs> and uh it sits on my shelf just uh, below my monitor and uh I like to look at that from time to time. Uh, The other thing I have, which is a little more interesting, is the Duxbury duck. And uh, this is a furry little uh, duck. (laughs) And around its neck is one of those plastic uh, cable ties, the permanent kind that you can't loosen once you've tightened them. And uh, attached to that is a card which has rail on both sides of it. On one side is the uh, Duxbury systems and the phone number, and the other side has uh, the web address. The other interesting thing about this duck is that if you squeeze it, it does this. And the truly amazing thing about that is that I've had this duck for over 20 years and it still works. I wonder what kind of battery they use.
0: Well, you know, when you are in the exhibit hall doing the exhibiting thing, as I have done on many occasions, those products that make a noise frustrate the soup out of you because you hear them all day long. Now, one year, and I think it was before... I joined the team. Freedom Scientific had a shark like the one you have, Howard, but it squeaked. And you can imagine the number of people who visit the JAWS booth at these conventions is so immense. Everybody was going around squeezing their squeaky sharks. It was driving a lot of the other vendors mad. I think we only did that one year.
4: It large podcast.
0: Craig Ferris is in touch. He says, hey, Jonathan, I've said it before, but I just want you to know how deeply appreciative I am for all of your broadcasting and podcasting work. Mosin at large is one of the key ways I stay current on assistive technology developments. On a weekly basis, I am fortunate to pass along what I've learned from your show to my students. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Craig. And now for my question, dot, dot, dot. Like so many others around the world, I do a lot of teaching and demoing via Zoom cloud meetings. While in a Zoom meeting on my Windows PC, I frequently click the share screen option, select iPhone or iPad, tick the share computer sound checkbox, and then press the share button. On my iPhone, I open the control center, tap on screen mirroring, and then select Zoom. Up until recently, this method has worked like a charm, and everything on my iPhone screen, along with VoiceOver's spoken output, has been heard by everyone in the meeting. Sadly, ever since I upgraded to iOS 14, the above steps haven't worked so well. VoiceOver's audio still gets shared over Zoom, but if I stop using VoiceOver for 10 or 15 seconds then flick around the screen again, the movement sound is heard, but no voice comes forth. The only way to revive voiceover appears to be to turn it off and on once or twice. It is difficult to demo an app this way because if I stop to explain what I am about to do, voiceover has died by the time I go to call on it again. Do you or any of your brilliant (coughs) listeners, no pressure listeners, have any ideas for me I did just update to iOS 14.1, and the problem still persists. Thank you so much. Thanks, Craig. I really appreciate your very generous comments. Regarding this Zoom thing, I have not done sharing with my iPhone for a very long time. And when I got your email earlier in the week, I thought I must take a look at this. And sadly, time just hasn't permitted me to do that. I do only have one suggestion that might solve this, other than obviously contacting Apple Accessibility and seeing what they might say, although I suspect they'll say, oh, it's a third-party app and, you know, yada, yada. But one thing you might do is make a long MP3 file that contains silence. And I wonder if you were to play that MP3 file that contains silence in an app like Apple Music or the Dropbox app even, just run it in the background and play the file, whether that would keep the audio device awake so that it wouldn't do this. I know it's an annoying workaround, but right now you got to do what you got to do, right? For your job, you've got to demo these apps. If you're willing to give that a shot, I'd be really interested to hear if it's fixed. Now, if others have found this problem, though, and worked around it in some way, or maybe you are not experiencing the problem then do let us know, because I guess if other people are not experiencing the problem, it could be pertaining to the device that Craig has or even the TTS that he's choosing to use. So if you have any thoughts on this, do let us know. Back on the subject of the Lear RSS reader, and Susan is writing in about this. She says, hello, Jonathan, thank you for your demonstration of Lear. My only question is, how long do the red articles stay on your phone? Thanks for the question, Susan. I have no experience using Lear standalone, so I'm going to answer in the context of using a cloud-based feed reader service, such as the old reader, which happens to be the one that I use. They don't actually end up on your phone at all if you haven't turned on the caching of images or text. In that case, you're just reading them from the server, rather like a web page. But if you've enabled the feature to cache either the text or the images or both, Then they will be on your phone, and what happens depends on the settings in Lear under the caching options. You can elect to delete the articles that you've already read from the phone, and that just happens automatically. That's what I have enabled. And at the moment, even with a very large number of unread articles in Lear, it's only consuming about 200 megabytes of storage, which in the context of a phone that might have 128 gigabytes or more, is a tiny, tiny percentage. I have apps taking up a lot more storage than Lair does. You can verify how much storage Lair is consuming, by the way, or any app for that matter, by going into settings on your iPhone, then double tap general, and under general, you'll find an option called iPhone storage. If you go in there, you will see some hints for saving storage space if you feel you're running low. Then you can swipe through and have a look at the apps that are using a lot of storage. It shows you the most storage consuming apps first, and it goes in reverse order. So the more you flick through, you'll see the numbers going down in terms of the storage that an app is consuming. Lair is actually quite far down on my list compared with some apps like audiobook apps or video apps and podcast apps and things that might take a lot of storage. Now, I can't tell who this is from because only their email address and not their name is in the address field, but it says, Hi Jonathan, I am glad you brought back your podcast again. I want to know, what is a good podcast catcher I can install on Windows? I know you can still get RSS feeds on Internet Explorer, but Explorer now has some security issues. As much as I like listening to podcasts on my phone, I still like to download podcasts to my hard drive, and transfer them to other devices like my Victor Reader stream. I also like to download podcasts to my hard drive so I can back them up on other places like a thumb drive in case that podcast I like gets taken down or something like that. What podcast catcher app would you recommend for Windows if there are any out there that work with JAWS or NVDA? I don't know. This comes up from time to time. And I was talking about Qcast, but apparently that is not working with, I think, secure feeds now. iTunes is probably your best bet, actually. You can download iTunes for free and listen to podcasts with it. You know, they've got the most comprehensive directory out there. It's sort of doable. I don't know any other option because I never listen to podcasts on my computer. I'm always listening on my phone. If anybody else has come across that holy grail a good accessible podcast app for Windows that's current and works with new things, then please do feel free to dish. Dish, I say. Hello, Bev Powell, who says, I recently obtained my second Victor Reader Stream second generation, and very little has changed between the first and the second versions. What I'm most disappointed with is still no Bluetooth. I get so annoyed and frustrated with using wired headphones, Humanware want you to purchase their Trek unit at almost twice the price. I don't need GPS. I solved my issue by purchasing a Bluetooth audio transmitter from Amazon. It cost about $20. I've had it paired with my Sony On-Ear Bluetooth headphones and my Aftershock's bone induction headphones. I also have Jabra earpods, which don't seem to pair. The only thing so far is that I have to turn up the volume on the stream, but the volume can be controlled through the headphones. Its power is a standard electric outlet and a USB transformer not included. No battery. I've not heard of anyone else trying such a product, so I thought others may be interested. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Bev, for passing that on. Those Bluetooth transmitter gadgets, and there are a lot out there, that work both ways, are really handy to have, actually. It's the legendary Dave Baker emailing in, and he says, Hey
5: man,
3: hey man,
0: I've been digging on your podcast for a bit now. As always, I appreciate your take on accessibility and technology. I wonder how often hobbies and other niche things people are into simply never see accessibility. I'm sure blind people are into all sorts of things that are off the beaten path, as important as these major accessibility concerns are. For example, I am one of those odd ducks who prefers to keep birds and reptiles instead of the common four-footed furry pets. Due to my wife's allergies, I can no longer keep birds, so it's reptiles for me. I know blind people and I know reptile people but most blind people have the same attitudes about the cold-blooded creatures that most sighted people do. The problem, in terms of accessibility, is that keeping these pets requires building a habitat with its own environment. There isn't an accessible version of certain devices, like a hygrometer for measuring humidity and a temperature gun, Temp guns are used to quickly measure temperature in different parts of the vivarium without destabilizing the environment, like opening it up and positioning a thermometer does. There's a whole subculture surrounding the reptile hobby, but getting accessibility advocacy and reptile keeping to meet, that's pretty challenging, I think. Makes me wonder just how many specialty hobbies and interests people are into which nobody else outside that group really understands that well, and so accessibility never really makes it into that hobby or interest group. This isn't really a complaint, more of an observation. I imagine a lot of different interest groups fly under the radar. Blind people who get into them find their own way to do things, but there's not enough of a market to get companies to build accessible versions of things. I can't, for example, go to Zilla or Zoomed and say there are a whole ton of blind people with lizards, snakes, and tortoises who would absolutely love a hygrometer. Might be an interesting topic for discussion. What niche hobby or interest are you into where there's really little chance of accessibility being added to its products? Thanks, Dave. That is a very interesting question. So if you have a niche hobby or interest and you think, look, blind people into this gig are just so small that there's no way I can advance the accessibility cause within this space, let us know what you're doing, the things you're interested in. Now, over the weeks since about episode 50, I've had phone messages from somebody who has been trying to listen to Mosin at large from the blind side Amazon Echo skill. And I haven't replied to them because I figured that if they are trying to do that, they won't be hearing me anyway. But apparently they are hearing me through other means. So for anybody who has been trying to use the old blindside skill to listen to Mozen at Large with their Amazon Echo, that ain't going to work. It was a bit of a fluke that it used to work. And the only reason why it used to work is that we repurposed the old blindside feed for Mozen at Large. When we migrated to Pinecast, which I've talked about a lot on the show. It gave us the opportunity to separate those podcasts out, and of course, it's a different feed, and as a result, that old blind side skill is not going to work anymore, and it never will. But fear not, all is not lost. If I wanted to listen to Mosin at Large, which I have to say I don't, because you know I've heard it all before, man, (laughs) But, but if I wanted to listen to Mosin at Large on my soup drinker, then... I have Apple Podcasts set as my default podcasts provider on the Amazon Echo. And at least with that, all I have to do is say, soup drinker, play Mosin at large with Jonathan Mosen.
2: Playing Mosin at large from Apple Podcasts. Playing the latest episode. Review and demonstration of the Mantis Q40 Braille display from APH.
0: I'm Jonathan. Jonathan oh, no, and no, 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 no no, no, no. no, no. Soup drinker. Stop. See, that's all there is to it. You see, you can just ask your soup drinker to play Mosen at Large. Uh, maybe Mosen at Large with Jonathan Mosen will help to get what you want, and it should come up. So I hope that helps. But don't bother checking the old blindside skill for Mosen at Large episodes because they will never be there again.
6: Hello, Jonathan, and any listeners that might happen to hear this. This is Ross calling from New Mexico in the United States. Well, I recently uh, got an iPhone 11, and I upgraded to iOS 14.1. And by and large, I'm satisfied with it. But I'll tell you, I have always just loved Apple Music in their favorites that they used to put in every few days of songs that they seemed to hear me play and in, in their um, method of, of finding songs you like. I'd always hear songs that I liked by artists that I liked and some new ones. I opened up the new version and I just went, yikes! It seems so much more complicated. Um, it seems as if it's harder to cater the music to what I like And it tends to be more more monochromatic, in other words, certain types of genres, rather than uh, having a wide variety of interests. So maybe I just haven't learned it yet. And if you have any, you or any of your listeners have any tips on how to um, create your own channel uh, with your own tastes, I would appreciate it. But as it is, uh, I'm just kind of going back to my library and listening to uh, a lot of the, the albums that I like rather than the favorites that they used to supply. Anyway, uh, we're all, or, or, or at least half of us in this country, are really excited about the new president, and that includes me. <laughs> Good
0: on you, Ross. Squee, eh? Squee. They don't make it easy, Apple, do they? Because they do keep messing around with the user interface of Apple Music. The stuff you're after, I think, is mostly now in the Listen Now tab, and it can be a bit disconcerting because when you look at the Listen Now tab at the top, you'll see things that you've heard recently and that kind of thing. If you keep flicking through that Listen Now tab, you do eventually get to those familiar favorites you're talking about, like the new music mix and the favorites mix and various things like that. They are buried away on the Listen Now tab, and it's actually quite well set up by heading What I've done, because headings are so useful in iOS and on the web and everywhere, is I've customized my gestures so that a two-finger flick to the right moves me to the next heading and a two-finger flick to the left moves me to the previous heading, and that just avoids the necessity to find the headings option in the rotor. So for me, doing that, I can really quite easily find those playlists. So I hope that's of at least some help. We proudly announce the return of Robert Munro for another season on Mosin at Large. He says, a few weeks ago, I sent in a question about using the Vorak keyboard layout with an external keyboard on iOS. One of your listeners gave me a suggestion that worked perfectly, cycling voiceover off and on immediately after selecting the Vorak layout in the hardware keyboard settings. Thank you so much. It now works like a dream. You asked for people to let you know how they are managing their battery issues in iOS 14. I am using an iPhone SE 2020, and its battery performance can be surprisingly robust. I have been particularly surprised at how long the battery lasts when streaming videos. Apple's news app and browsing with Safari over a cellular connection seem to be the two biggest battery hogs. I am usually sitting near a wireless charger or within Bluetooth range of one, so I have set up automations in the Shortcuts app to let me know when my phone's battery falls below 40% or rises above 80%. This means I can put the phone on the charger when the 40% notification pops up, then take it off again when the 80% notification pops up. Of course, I still need to plan ahead if I'm going to be away from home or from my office all day, fully charging my phone or bringing my Mophie battery case along on longer trips. But the 40% and 80% battery notifications mean I don't need to worry about my iPhone's battery most of the time. Here is the procedure I used to set up the notification for my phone's battery rising above 80%. 1. Open the Shortcuts app and head to the Automations tab. Two, hit the Add button. Hit that button. Hit it. Um, And select Create Personal Automation. Then scroll down, and select Battery Level. Three, set the slider to 80%. Select Rises Above 80%, and hit Next. Four, select Add Action, then type Get Sound, and select it. Five, Use the Actions Rotor to select Edit System Sound, then pick a sound from the list that comes up. I use SMS Received 3 for when my battery rises above 80% and Low Power for when it drops below 40%. Once you select a sound, the screen will change back and you can choose the next action for the automation. 6. Select Add Action, then type Play Sound then select it. 7. Uncheck Ask Before Running, then select Done. When this automation runs, your phone will play the sound you choose and, by default, display a notification your battery has risen above 80%, running your automation. In my first attempt at creating this automation, I added a step where I had the phone sending a notification as the last step, but this turned out to be redundant. I got tired of clearing two notifications every time, so I removed the extra one from my automation. For when your phone's battery drops below 40%, simply create a similar automation, choosing 40%, drops below, and a different sound at the appropriate points. I agree with listeners who have suggested turning off background app refresh on an app-by-app basis. I don't need the Amazon Shopping app constantly keeping up to date and using my battery while I do want weather and maps apps to refresh because I want the functionality they provide. A shotgun approach, while it saves more battery, cuts down on the functionality of the phone too much. What good is a full battery if it's not doing anything? I also use this same app-by-app approach in my privacy settings, location services, and access to my phone's camera, microphone, etc. I don't need Amazon to know where I am at every moment, but I do need nearby Explorer to know that. Ruthlessly restricting the access that apps have to the services under the privacy settings will both save battery and give you more control over what data the app collects about you. Perhaps the need for a privacy audit could be a topic for your show at some point it's a good thing to do every three months or so i hope my suggestions above are helpful thanks as always for producing a first-rate show that always jumps to the top of my listening queue that is really an honor thank you so much robert and also for the very useful message i've left your steps intact although i have tried to follow them and where i get stuck Is that I don't find a get sound function. So I've typed get sound with one word, get sound with two, and I do if I just type sound in, get a play sound option, but that doesn't appear to be the one that I want unless I've got the sound first. So I'm not sure where I'm going wrong there or what I'm missing. However, I have set those automations up using the show notification option, and I'll see how that goes because that was available to me and I edited the notification. You'd want to edit it because the default is Hello World. I'm just not sure why I'm not seeing the Get Sound function. This is with the release build of iOS 14.2 and the Shortcuts app contained therein. While we're on the subject of Shortcuts, Kevin Tran from Malaysia has been in touch. And quite a few questions in this very long email, most of which have already been answered on previous episodes of the podcast However, I will cover this one because it's topical and has not come up before. He says, I would like to recommend a great podcast on Relay FM called Automators. It's hosted by two shortcut junkies, David Sparks and Rosemary Orchard. Actually, that name rings a bell. I think I may have read something that she wrote. I'm wanting to say it was relating to OmniFocus, but I could be misremembering that. He continues, David Sparks had written many books and training on Mac automation, mostly through Keyboard Maestro, and Rosemary Orchard has contributed to the open world of iOS shortcuts. So there you go. Thanks for the tip. That's really useful shortcuts and automations are just so incredible i have a lot of fun with this on the iphone if you're interested in that too it sounds like that's a great resource to know about and kathen was asking about notes taking apps we've talked extensively about the way that i use markdown and ulysses and we also had a really interesting contribution on drafts which a lot of people love to use here's one i have not heard of that sounds brilliant and Anya Kelly-Costello tells us about this. She says, kia ora, Jonathan. You talk about notes-taking apps from time to time on the podcast. And I don't know if you've talked about SimpleNote yet. It's the notes app I use the most, particularly for shortish snippets of info. Your notes are automatically synced across platforms, in my case, iOS and Windows, and it's free. Can't beat that. Notes can't be organized into folders, but they can be organized by tags. It also supports Markdown. You can publish your note to the web, so HTML, very easily. Using iOS from the list of notes, you can swipe down to access options to delete, pin, create, and copy a link and share the note. That's not a comprehensive feature list, but I thought it deserved a shout-out anyway, as it's a very efficient and user-friendly way of getting, say, a link or a code or some meeting notes, or whatever, to just show up. Thank you so much, Anya. I am going to check this out. I do like Notes apps, and that one sounds brilliant, and particularly since so many people do use iOS and Windows in the blind community. That sounds like a real winner. I appreciate you sharing it. And now, via the modern powers of telecommunications, we go to Locked Down England, where Brian Gaff has a problem.
7: Right, I have a weird problem on my iPhone, which I'm going to try to demonstrate in a minute. Open contacts. Alert. Is this lightning adapter connecting a pair of headphones? Uh, What on earth does that mean? If you switch devices, you can update this selection in the sounds and haptic section of settings. Other device, button. Contacts, groups, button. Contacts, heading, add, button. Search, section index, adjustable. Brian Gaff. A. Heading outdoor window. B. Heading outdoor. B. Heading outdoor. C. Heading outdoor. Do you get my drift? Where are these weird things coming from about outdoors and windows and things like that? I've been encountering this ever since I updated the iOS to 14.2 on my 10R. It's not just in the Contacts app either, it's in other apps. It'll just suddenly come up and say something silly like Moon or, you know, uh, for no apparent reason that I can see. Um, I'm not quite sure what to do about it. I mean, it's not strictly an issue functionality-wise, but it does do other odd things. Like, for instance, when you go back to the home screen sometimes it will say a an app or or an app name even though it's not actually on that before it says the right one as if it's kind of paused on something and then moved on.
0: It's possible that you have two issues going on here, Brian. By the way, I have never heard the iPhone say what it just said to you about the Lightning accessory and whether it was headphones or not. And I plug Lightning thingies in all the time to connect the iPhone to my mixer. I've never heard that. That is interesting. Anyway, to your actual point, you have Describe Images enabled in the Contacts app and possibly universally. So when you flick through the headings, I can duplicate this by going into the contacts app and turning describe images on. And sure enough, when I scroll through my different headings, I get all this lovely stuff. I suppose that where this could be useful actually is if you've got lots of contact photos, which many blind people may not have, but then it would describe the person to you. But if you want to disable it, Well, you can use the rotor. It should be there on the rotor. Just uh, use the rotor gesture to get to describe images and flick either up or down, and it will say describe images off for contacts. You can also control this over in the settings app under voiceover settings, and there's a setting for it there. You may also potentially have enabled screen recognition that sounds like your second issue regarding things being misannounced on the screen. So, if you've added that to your rotor, if it's available on your rotor, ensure that screen recognition is off on all apps that are fully accessible and only use screen recognition when you have an accessibility issue. I actually got uh, pinged by this one during the beta cycle of iOS 14. I love my Parcel app. It's been consistently accessible. It's really, really cool. And I was having trouble getting stuff into the Parcel app during the iOS 14 beta cycle. And as it started to draw to a close, I reached out to Ivan, the developer, who's always really responsive and excellent, and said, oi, we might have a problem here. But I actually worked out that somehow accidentally the screen recognition had been enabled in the Parcel app. And ironically, that rendered it inaccessible. So just make sure that you don't have screen recognition on. But definitely what you're hearing there in the contacts app is because describe images is enabled. Randy Reed writes, hello, Jonathan. I've been following the battery life saga with your Apple Watch. Yeah, previously on the Watch Watch. He says, I just purchased a Series 6. And while I'm not having problems with the battery life, I did have an issue which forced me to reset my iPhone and set it up as new. I was setting up the watch and noticed that I had the option to use the Siri voice instead of the default Samantha voice. I toggled the setting on because the default voice sounds like the watch is wearing a face mask, but no Siri voice. I tried resetting the watch and still no Siri voice. When I contacted Apple support, the first thing they noticed was that I was running the public beta, then iOS 14.2, and they told me to reset the phone to get off the beta, which also involved resetting the Apple Watch. After reinstalling all of my apps and reconfiguring the watch, I still couldn't get the Siri voice, so they escalated the ticket to engineering, who turned me over to the accessibility department, who told me this is a known issue, but they don't know how to fix it. In the meantime... I'm experiencing people on various social platforms who aren't experiencing the issue, just like your battery problem. And that's frustrating because that means nobody knows how to fix it. On the bright side, my iPhone's like new, and the reset has fixed some problems I didn't know I was having and some others I'd just learned to deal with. My point is, I understand the frustration of going through multiple resets and restores, with nothing to show for your efforts. Thanks, Randy. I mean, I realize this doesn't help you if it's the Siri voice you want specifically, but you can now add other languages to the rotor, So you could have the UK Daniel or the Australian Karen, for example. When I try to use the Siri voice, it's unusual now. I used to be able to, but it it now says something like, you can't use Siri with the language you've selected or something like that. I'm not overly fussed about this because Daniel is my preference anyway. It just struck me as interesting. So I don't know if that's expected behavior now or not. Now, on the subject of my Apple Watch woes, I can report with much glee, squee, that it is back to the way it was before. So long may that continue. But at some point, I probably still will do the big setup. The iPhone is new. I think with any computer, it's a good idea to do that every so often. Now we've been talking about made for iPhone hearing aids and the iPhone 12 range. And here's feedback on this from Terry Clasper, who says, Hi, Jonathan. For starters, just wanted to say how much I enjoy the podcast, an informative, entertaining and enjoyable listen. Thanks so much, Terry. I wanted to write about a couple of things. First of all, I enjoyed your review of the Mantis and took delivery of one yesterday. I'm enjoying using it. As you say, the braille quality is great ergonomically it's nice to use and the ease of switching between devices combined with its own apps like the editor make it a terrific addition to my access tech the main reason however i'm writing is to do with made for iphone hearing aids and the iphone 12 range i got my 12 pro on 12 pro day and so i have been using it now for a couple of weeks when I first paired my Oticon hearing aids with the phone using iOS 14.1, I had a terrible time just getting reasonable audio consistently from the phone. The crackle noise happened almost every time I unlocked the phone, and more often than not, after a minute or so, one hearing aid, usually the right, would drop. I was at first concerned that the problem may have something to do with my settings, although found it hard to believe given that my 10s worked perfectly with my hearing aids. So I took the phone back to its factory defaults, paired the aids again with exactly the same result. At this point, the day after the phone was released, there was nothing on any forums about the issue, so I called Apple Accessibility. After a little time, and me explaining what I'd done to attempt to troubleshoot the problem, they concluded that the problem may be hardware-related, said they would look into it further and get back to me, which, sadly, they never did. Then I decided to put myself on the beta track and installed 14.2. This improved things somewhat, kind of proving to me that it wasn't a hardware issue. Then, yesterday, 14.3 came and I installed it, and the improvement for me is very significant. I now seem to only get the crackle when I access a notification from the lock screen. Or if I'm sitting next to electrical devices and unlock the phone, it will then sometimes happen, but only ever in one ear. I can just about live with this for the moment. It's way better than anything previous since getting the phone. But hopefully, if enough people continue to write to Apple Accessibility, they'll completely fix the issue. Thanks, Terry, for sharing your experiences with made for iPhone hearing aids. I think you have the same age that I do, actually, which is interesting. So I'm glad to know it's not just me that a lot of people are experiencing this. It is very disappointing, I have to say, that here we are, another very significant accessibility quality control issue from Apple. If you depend on made for iPhone hearing aids and you get these loud bursts of static at unexpected moments or you only get audio in one ear suddenly and it's cutting in and out. That is not a trivial bug. It is a real show-stopping bug for those affected. We're stuck with it for now. I have been able to minimize it a lot since I did that first recording about this. And what I've done is I have installed the 14.3 beta. I then unpaired my hearing aids and paired them again. And I went into voiceovers settings under the audio options and just toggled those channels there. They have a speech channel, and I think it's called audio channel. I toggled them on and off a couple of times. And it hasn't been eliminated completely, but it has been reduced significantly to the point that I can go for sometimes an hour or two without hearing the static. And when you hear the static, I mean, you've got to hear it to believe it. It is really loud. It could potentially be damaging to your hearing. It's quite disconcerting. It makes me jump every time it happens because you just... Using your phone. And then suddenly there's this insanely loud burst of static in one ear.
2: Hey, Jonathan, this is Peggy Kern, a very happy Peggy Kern, uh, recording this from my new iPhone 12 Pro that I didn't expect to get today. In fact, it's quite an interesting story. Started out, we had our wireless bill and our home phone with the same company, so we had all the bills connected together. So, a few weeks ago, I thought, well, you know, we're going to get new phones this year, so let's pay off my 10R, and then I can, you know, get my new phone, and Dan can inherit my 10R. He likes to inherit my old phone, so... We went to the store and they said, Oh, we can't pay off your old phone. For some reason, it won't let us. That said, you know, the 12 Pro, the smallest is 256 gigs. And so I was thinking, Oh, I, I can't get that. You know, that's, that's more storage than I would ever use. That's just ridiculous to spend that much money. And so I thought, well, I'll get the 12, but first we have to deal with our, you know, bill the way it is, everything connected. Well, we got rid of our landline. Then they had to separate everything out and make separate accounts for what was left on the landline and our wireless. So we got the wireless paid off. And then yesterday, we started going to different stores looking for a 12 Pro 128 gigs. Nobody had them, so we ordered one online. I thought, okay, you know, it wasn't supposed to be delivered till the end of December, beginning of January. And I'm going, oh, man. And I thought, well, you know, I've got a perfectly good working iPhone. I'll just wait. Well, Dan was ordering something online from Target, which is our nearby uh, big box store, and he happened to look for iPhones and they had 128 uh, 12 Pro and so we went there we canceled my order that I placed yesterday and went ahead and bought my 12 Pro it's a different color than I had originally picked but I can live with that I mean I'm not looking at it and it's you know not a color that I don't like so hey Anyway, so I'm on my new 12 Pro, still migrating things and getting set up, but uh I am very happy with it so far. I have to figure out where the 5G stuff is so I can disable that because I don't really care about 5G Um And then I want to find out where the LiDAR thing is and start playing with that. That sounds like it would be really cool.
0: Great to hear from you, Piggy. That's a good story. I'm glad you got the iPhone 12 Pro before you anticipated, especially with all the hassles you've had lately with your Apple Watch. And I thought, since you went to the trouble of recording something on your new iPhone 12 Pro, I would reciprocate and reply on my iPhone 12 Pro Max. In terms of the 5G support, Apple's been pretty conservative about this because of the amount of battery life that it uses. What you can do is go into settings, and then in my part of the world, it's called mobile, but I'm pretty sure that in your part of the world, they call it cellular on the settings. See, divided by a common language. You go in there, and you'll find that the default mode is actually something where It uses 4G by default, even though you might see a 5G status indicator to conserve battery. But when the phone detects that you're downloading a voluminous file, it will jump to 5G just for that period and download the file and chew through your battery like there's no tomorrow and then go back to 4G again. But you can turn it on to 5G only or 4G only and turn the 5G completely off if you want to. But, you know, why stop there? Why stop by recording on my iPhone? I think I should just rip myself in two and call myself on my new iPhone. We'll just make a phone call. Jonathan Mosen. Mate, it's Jonathan Mosin here. What? Jonathan Mosen from Mosen at Large. You're me. Who no, is no, this really? No, 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 no. It's, it's Jonathan Mosen from Mosen at Large. Wow, this is just too weird for weirdness, dude. How, how is this even happening? It's amazing what you can achieve on a low-carb Atkins bar. Oh, God, look, <laughs> why are you bothering me anyway? I'm trying uh, to do a show uh, here. No, well, I'm doing the show, actually. No, I'm doing the show. No, no, no. I, I'm doing the show, and I want to hear what your iPhone sounds like. The new, ah. yeah, yeah, the new one you just got that you keep yeah, going on about. Yeah, i got the iPhone 12 Pro Max, and yeah. this is just a regular phone call, so no FaceTime or yes. anything fancy like that. This right. is just how it sounds when you call on the phone. I'll stop How do you waffling. think it sounds? Well, it sounds good, actually. I must admit, it does sound good. It, 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 yeah, so... I agree with you, actually. yeah, yeah. It, it sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, good, good. Hang on a second. I can't believe I'm having a sensible conversation with myself. See, I thought you'd get used to it. You can get used to anything. No, no, I don't. I, I do not love it. It's too weird. It could be the first sign of madness. Ah. I am going to do a two-finger double tap on you.
7: No, 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 no. Jonathan
1: Monson.
0: David Kingsbury writes, Hi Jonathan, thanks for your 1Password episode of several weeks ago. Listening to it shamed me into finally becoming more responsible about managing my passwords. When you described the all-too-common bad practice of using the same password over and over again, that described my sloppy behavior perfectly. This was no surprise. I had been putting off fixing this problem for a long time. While using a Password Manager app may be a good solution for many people, here's another idea that might work too. With Microsoft Office, it is very easy to create a password-protected Word or Excel file. To do this in either program, go to Info in the File tab, tab to the Protect File submenu and choose Encrypt with Password. The shortcut key combination to get there is Alt-F-I-P. If you save the file in a Dropbox or OneDrive folder, then it is backed up on the web. You can generate your own strong passwords. On the PC, using Chrome or Edge, you can save passwords for some sites, so you don't have to type them in every time. On the iPhone, you can use Touch ID for the same purpose. On occasion, you may have to type them in, but this only involves opening the protected file and copying and pasting. I have created a password-protected Excel spreadsheet, and so far, so good. This seems like a good idea for a few reasons. First, if you are already using Microsoft Office, there is no additional cost. Second, there is a bit of a learning curve for figuring out how to use a password manager. Rightly or wrongly, some people feel intimidated by these applications. For those who already use Word or Excel and a cloud service like Dropbox, the intimidation factor for this alternative may be less formidable. Thanks David, that's an interesting idea. There are a couple of downsides to it that I can immediately see. One of the good things about using a password manager is that it is cross-platform And cross browser, you know, sometimes one browser isn't enough. (laughs) So if you use a password manager, you can actually use it kind of like a generic favorites list with the added advantage that it can log you in. So whether you're using Edge or Chrome or Firefox or one of the many Chrome derivatives, and I think one password might work with Internet Explorer, but I'm not sure But you can bring up your list of sites and just press enter. And not only does it serve as your favorites list, but it also logs you in. Second, of course, is there's the advantage of being cross-platform. So if you have an Android device, a Mac, an iDevice, a PC, I think it's available on Chrome OS as well. All your passwords are there in the one place. And you just press a key and it logs you in. So there is a bit of maintenance involved. You'd have to open up the Word document or Excel spreadsheet enter that password, and then find the password, so search for it in some way, copy it to the clipboard, and paste it into the password field. And what I find is, if compliance is too difficult, people don't use it, and they revert back to type and start using that same old password that they were familiar with. So it'll be interesting to see if you stick with that strategy long-term or whether you find it a bit onerous. But that said, anything is better than using that same password over and over again on multiple sites. So congratulations on the progress. And I really appreciate the suggestion.
1: Hey, Jonathan, great shows as usual. This is Mike May now living in Reno, Nevada. I took some notes and want to respond to some different topics regarding the cost of a guide dog, $70,000 seems within the range, but we should mention that that's for one dog. Uh, I'm on dog number seven. So, We're talking about nearly half a million dollars just on me. In terms of apps being closed in the background and whether they have significance or not, I've always advised people when a GPS app is running in the background to close it if you're not using it. It's not the app so much as it is the GPS radio that's sucking the power, and you can lose a good 10% an hour when GPS is running in the background. So when you don't need it, close it. And that's probably the same with some other apps that might be using Bluetooth or other radio. I loved your shortwave imitation. That was great. I'm curious because Bonnie talks about going back to the CNI and it's probably the same reason I go there, which is I've gone there forever since 1973. And so I returned to the school that's taking good care of me and I've had 100% success with. I have visited the New Zealand Guide Dog School and thought it was very impressive and had some innovative things that they were doing. So I'm just curious if she ever considers going there, just given it's so much closer and you wouldn't have to deal with that long trip for her or the dog. A comment on the Wee Walk and electronic travel aids. They have mostly not been successful over the years, as was mentioned. I have played with the Wee Walk. It's quite interesting. What's different about it is that it really combines an electronic travel aid with a navigation app. So a big part of using the WeWalk successfully is understanding and using their app. And when integrated with the obstacle detection, uh, it's an interesting combination. I think it's still hard to beat the good old white cane that's light or the dog or the sighted guide. Not one solution fits everybody, so it's great that we have options and the WeWalk is one of them. There was comments about the dogs detecting traffic and other ways of of knowing when there's fast-moving vehicles coming towards you. I think it's unrealistic to think that if a car is moving at 60 miles an hour, which would be 88 feet per second, that a dog is going to be able to react in time to save you if that car is coming at that speed. I'm really interested in uh, something that Garmin sells, which is meant for bicyclists detecting cars that are coming up on them. This uh, radar detector uses Doppler to distinguish moving things from things that aren't moving. And it can detect, I think, 300 to 300 yards back behind you on a bike. And it has some audio tones with alerts, so I've been curious to see what would happen if I took one of those in my hand and at an intersection pointed it down the street to see how far away I could detect a car coming. I think that kind of solution uh, and the, the types of things that are coming from autonomous vehicles that probably provide us a lot more safety and uh, warnings than you could get from other mechanisms, including a sighted person. I think on average, the autonomous vehicle is going to have much more success in keeping accidents from happening. Sure, bad things will happen, uh, but I think on a a much lower level than it does with just basic human error and texting while driving and all of that stuff. You mentioned the reverse bungee in Auckland. I did that with my co-founder of Sendero, Charles LaPierre, on the Skyscreamer, and we took a Braille Note PK, and we wanted to see if you really went up to 200 kilometers an hour when you were shot up into the air. And yes, it did, and uh, we have a great recording of that experience using the PK and GPS. Very happy to say that uh, we're moving towards a much more sensible political situation in this country. Take care.
0: On the subject of the future of mobility, we have email trickling in on this. Kelly Magridge is in touch. Hi, Kelly. She says, hi, Jonathan, just emailing you with regards to having a robotic guide dog. Well, you may laugh, but I have a dog phobia. I am petrified of dogs. I got bitten by one when I was little. I never forgot that. It was my nan's poodle, Pickles. And because she bit me she had him put down. Oh, I have been scared of them ever since. If a robotic guide dog was there now, I wouldn't hesitate but to have one. It would certainly give me more independence. Before I go, I want to go back to episode eight of Food, Glorious Food. Gosh, that was a long time ago. Well, my favorite is Rabbit. I love rabbit pie. I could just eat one now with loads of gravy and veg. The food I hate is eggs. Doesn't matter how it is done, poached, boiled, fried, scrambled, or in an omelette, I hate it. It makes me feel really sick. The smell of eggs cooking, it is disgusting. You can give me rabbit pie any day, but no eggs. I hope, she says, this has made you hungry. Uh, Well, I haven't had rabbit for goodness knows how long, Kelly. It sort of tastes like chicken, if I remember correctly. But a lot of things taste like chicken. Everything tastes like chicken. Bonnie keeps saying to me, what is such and such like? And I just say chicken, because everything tastes like chicken. In fact, even when she asks me about what something is like that isn't food related, I just say chicken. It drives her crazy, which is why I do it. And no, Katie, I would never laugh at anybody with a dog phobia. I know that they are real. Phobias are real. And if for whatever reason you've become scared of something, it's absolutely horrible. Now, I have no memory of this whatsoever. But my dad used to tell me about a turkey that they had because he was a poultry farmer for a long time. And they ran a poultry farm when I was born. And uh, this turkey was actually called Henry. I don't know if I have told our Henry this. Henry is now Heidi's husband. Not the same thing, though. You know what I mean? It's just a coincidence that the name is the same. I just want to stress that. But it is quite funny. Henry the turkey. Anyway, apparently when I was very little, because I just don't remember this. Obviously, I was very fortunate not to have been traumatized by this, to the best of my knowledge. Henry the turkey had a bit of a go at me. I'm not quite sure what he did. I think he may have tried to come and. What what do turkeys do when they attack you? I have, I have no idea. But they shot the turkey because he attacked me. And I think he was kind of like a pet turkey too. So it was all very upsetting. But Henry didn't like me for whatever reason. I was probably making too much noise as usual. So you know, I wasn't traumatised by the experience, but I've often felt quite regretful for being responsible for the death of Henry the turkey, even though I remember nothing about it.
5: Hey, Jonathan. I just wanted to say regarding guide dogs and robot
0: guide dogs, I think I wouldn't have had the heartache
5: that I went through when I went and was it 2018, to be trained with Quinny. And if you'll remember, he collapsed on the very last day of my training and I wasn't able to
0: bring him home because he was obviously withdrawn and I had gone through all that training
5: and f- for nothing and it was just very traumatic. And I wouldn't have had to go through all that if I had had a
1: robot guide dog.
5: Hello Jonathan, it's Grace here. My preference is definitely an ordinary guide dog because... Not only is it a dog good for guiding, an ordinary guide dog, you know, you've got the companionship there too. And I've heard one or two blind people that, you know, they, they treat dogs as if they're machines. They don't, they don't even bother talking to them. Even when I've been in people's houses, blind people's houses, they just, they, you know, the, the dog is not even allowed to move in the house. I, I knew a lady like that and I just felt so sorry for the dog. You've got to give it praise when it's due, and, you know, it's it's, it's great having a having a having an ordinary guide dog, I would say, although I've not got a guide dog, I wouldn't get another guide dog, to be honest. Hello, Mr. Jonathan, this is Rickson Smith, with the X in the middle of the name there, anyways, calling from the great city of Chicago, Illinois, where the poor uh, city is under... Uh, practically under lockdown because of the virus, so I hope everything is going well with you all and everybody is still all safe. But a couple of things I wanted to touch on. First of all, I really have enjoyed your podcasts. on every time Apple does uh, come out with new hardware and stuff, you jump on it and talk about it. And one of the things about the Mac that you touched on briefly was the inability to run Windows on the Mac, which I don't think anybody should, anyways, but the one thing that I've noticed that might be useful for people to be able to have access to Windows is upgrading drivers, say, on like your Orbit Rider or Orbit devices or Braille devices, and you need to upgrade drivers on such things. There's been a bit of a complaint going around, not a major one, but how the Orbit Research team says they're working on it but then there's also been a worm out there saying that oh they're not going to create an app for that because of how nobody uses the mac and the other one is uh you mentioned that you would be interested in hearing from a trump supporter well i'm not a trump supporter per se but i did vote for the man because i thought it would be better for the economy and because of his stand on on law and order but i am frankly disgusted with him because I don't know how any more clear it can be that that Biden has been the winner in the election. It's going to be certified come December sixth, so it will be interesting to see if how headed the man really can be. If he if he goes past November or uh, December sixth, then it will be surprising to me if the Republican Party is still and power, come two years from now.
0: Thanks for the message, Dixon. Getting back to that first comment you made about the Mac, it's a real dilemma for some of these small assistive technology companies. When somebody has invested in some hardware, I think the developer, the manufacturer of that hardware, wants to respect the individual's choice of operating system. The trouble is that a lot of these assistive technology companies are surviving with just a few staff, very limited resources, and sometimes they genuinely do have trouble finding the time and the resources to develop a Mac app when take-up of the Mac in the blind community is so small. I mean, the vast majority of the world uses Windows. I don't know this for sure, but anecdotally, I think it would be true that the number of Windows using blind people is even disproportionately higher the number of windows using sighted people now that's just my hunch and if there's data out there proving something to the contrary then fair enough but i understand why people who've invested in hardware and who've chosen the mac because it meets their needs might be angry if the only way that they can update their firmware is through a windows app that they don't have ready access to here's an email from joseph douglas which reads hello jonathan i am a new listener and was very impressed by the number of topics you touch on As you have reiterated every so often that Mosin at Large is not a technology podcast, as one who has recently lost most of my vision, I would like you and your listeners to assist me in finding material that would help me read faster using screen readers such as JAWS. I do not know what my current reading speed is, but I'm sure it lies somewhere between slow and slower. Thanks, Joseph. Welcome to the show. And also... It sounds like you're dealing with a lot of change and transformation, so I'm really glad that you've found podcasts like this, and as you go on that journey, it's nice to think that we might be able to help, so all the very best, and I know what a difficult thing that can be. Regarding speed, I think what I would advise here, and we'll open this up, is find a voice that you find intelligible, but not necessarily human. This is why I personally like the eloquence voice that comes with JAWS by default. It doesn't sound natural. It doesn't sound human. But when you get used to the speech, you can crank it up quite a long way and then just ever so slightly increase the speaking rate every few days. And if you do it by tiny increments and with JAWS, you can indeed do it in very tiny increments. You'll find that over time, you've just become faster so you wouldn't want to go from, say, a reading speed of 30% to suddenly cranking it up to 40 or 45% because you'll start missing words. But if you say go from 30% if that's where you're at now to 31, 32, and then gradually work your way up just ever so slowly, it's kind of like that old thing about you know the water getting warmer until it's boiling, and it happens so slowly that you don't know that it's happened. So that's what I would suggest, and others may have some ideas for you too, or the very best, I hope it goes well for you.